Chapter Five of the Boy Scouts' First Campfire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts' First Campfire by Herbert Carter, an uninvited guest. What a truly glorious hour that was! As those eight lads sat around the splendid campfire, chatting, asking questions and giving information as it happened they were able of course tad and allen were usually called upon to explain the thousand and one things connected with wood's life as yet sealed mysteries to those of the patrol who were experiencing their very first camping out some of the other six had doubtless made fires in the woods after a fashion and possibly tried to cook fish over the same with poor success bob white admitted that he had often been in the mountains with some of the men who worked on his father's place and had spent lots of nights afoot in the blue ridge so that he could not really be called a tenderfoot scout but bumpus and smitty were very green davy jones knew but little more and as for stephen and giraffe they would not commit themselves watching every move the leaders made as though hoping to pick up information in this way that could be used at another time and which would stamp them as real woodsmen. To all appearances, Bumpus had entirely forgotten all about his suspicions toward Stephen. Malice he could not harbor any great length of time toward anyone, his nature being too broad and forgiving. But in the midst of an earnest discussion between several of the scouts on the subject of Indian picture writing, which it is recommended all scouts should learn, as a very useful and interesting means of communicating with companions who may be late on the road, Bumpus gave out a roar. Hey, guess you think my eyes got closed up by that swelling, didn't you, Stephen Bingham? Now, whatever you are sneaking my knapsack off like that for? Want to search it, perhaps, to see if that old compass you left behind could have got in there? Will you put it back right away and keep your hands off my property? or I'll complain to the scoutmaster, see if I don't. What would I want your compass for? Tell me that. I thought you might have hit it just to tease me, Bumpus, grumbled the detected one, as he hastened to hang the bag back where he had found it. All right, returned Bumpus, falling back lazily again. You don't choose to accept my word for it when I say I ain't got it, so you can take it out any old way you want. But don't you bother me again about that compass here. Some of the boys began in due time to yawn, at first slyly, and then, as they saw others openly gaping, they forgot to hide it behind their hand. "'Pretty near time we thought of making up our beds, ain't it?' inquired Giraffe, who secretly wondered how he was ever going to tear himself away from sitting there, his hands clasped around his shins, and admiring that magnificent sight of the fire eating up the dry fuel that was fed to it in liberal doses. Yes, after I've gone the rounds, to see how well our stock of provisions has been protected, rejected the scoutmaster, getting upon his feet. We've got it stowed pretty much in the two tents, sir, remarked Bob White, to whom this particular duty had been detailed. Think any wild animal might try and raid the camp and get away with some of our grub, asked Bumpus a little uneasily. Oh, hardly that, laughed Tad, but one of the duties of a scout is never to take things for granted. He must be wise enough to make provisions against any ordinary happening that might come about. In other words, 
He insures his stock of provisions like a sensible merchant does his goods. He doesn't expect to have a fire, you know, but he wants to be sure he won't be ruined if one does come. Huh. He'd have to pay a pretty big premium on insurance if it was known that Stephen Bingham was around then, remarked Davy meaningly. I'm going to tell you more about that picture writing another time, fellows, Alan remarked, as he proceeded to get his blanket out of the pile and fold it double just as he wanted it. You'll say it's a fine thing, too. Perhaps we can get a chance to try it out at the time we send a good swimmer over to the island in the lake to signal with the flags and looking-glass. The rest of the boys immediately busied themselves with their blankets, too, for when in camp they are pretty much like a flock of sheep who follow their leader, or bellwether, without questioning. Presently a cry arose, and it came from Davy Jones. Say, look at that smitty, would you? Bless me, if he ain't got some white sheets and a regular nightgown. Now what do you think of that, fellas? Are we going to allow such sissy goings-on in this our first camp? He'd hoodoo the whole business, sure. No luck with such baby play. Use the sheets for towels when we go in swimming. I've got an extra pair of pajamas along that I'll lend him if he promises to be a true scout, ready to rough and ready it in camp. Next thing, he'll be pulling out a nightcap to keep from getting cold. All of them were laughing by now. As for Smitty, he looked as if he could not understand what all the fuss was about. "'Why, I always sleep this way at home,' he stammered, as he glanced around at his hilarious comrades. "'Perhaps you do,' jeered Davy Jones, who could take hard knocks without any whimper. "'But Mother's darling boy ain't home right now. A true scout must learn to sleep in his blanket alone. An old boot will do for a pillow, and he won't ever want to be rocked to sleep either. The breeze will be his lullaby, and the blue canopy of heaven his coverlet.' Hurrah for you, Davy. That's as good a definition of what a Boy Scout should accustom himself to as I ever heard. I didn't know you had it in you to talk like that, said Tad warmly. Oh, I got that out of a book, declared Davy frankly. And Tad, do I have to give up these nice clean sheets and crawl in between the folds of a nasty rough tickly blanket, asked Smitty pleadingly. It will be just as well for you to begin right, number five, said the Scoutmaster pleasantly but firmly. Sooner or later, if you stick by the Silver Fox Patrol, you've got to learn how to rough it. And if you think enough of your fellow scouts to make the sacrifice, all the better. Without a word, then, Smitty tossed the offending sheets across to Tad and followed with his usual night apparel. I'll take those pajamas, Davy, and thank you kindly for offering to loan them to me, he said bravely. But when the faded and somewhat torn night suit was immediately handed over to him, the particular boy was seen to shudder as though they gave him a cold chill. Still, he proved to be true grit, and was soon donning them so as to keep up with the balance of the boys. Tad winked toward Allen as much as to say that he felt very much encouraged at the progress being made in the education of Edmund Maurice Travers Smith, the spoiled darling of a weak mamma. "'Mark my word for it,' he said in a low tone to his second-in-command. "'With all his pink and white complexion and girlish ways, "'there's the making of a good scout in Smitty. "'Given a little time for him to get over the cruel shock "'these rough ways bring to his orderly system, "'and you'll see a different sort of fellow spring up. "'The seats are there all right, 
and Mama's baby boy will turn into as sturdy and hardy a scout as there is in the troop. Allen smiled and nodded. Perhaps he did not have quite as much faith as the young scoutmaster, because he may not have been a good reader of character, but he realized that what Smitty had just done was as valiant a thing for one of his nature as attacking a wildcat would be for another boy built along different lines, for he was defying what had threatened to become a part of his own being, and with gritting teeth trying to show himself a real flesh-and-blood boy for once. "'When we're all ready, fellows,' remarked Tad presently, "'the bugler will sound taps, and after that see to it that all lights are out but the campfire. I've fixed it so that it will burn several hours, and once or twice during the night Alan or myself will crawl out to add some wood from the pile you have heaped up here. Not that we need the heat, you understand, but there ought to be a lot of sentiment connected with the first campfire, and the Silver Fox Patrol must never forget this one. All ready now? Hold on, called someone from inside the near tent. I can't find part of my pajamas, and it'd be too cool to sleep with only half on. Now ain't it funny why it's always my things that get taken, just like I was going to be a target for all the fun that's going. Of course, it's that poor old careless Stephen again, always throwing his things around and forgetting where he put them, said Davy, in a tone of disgust. Then he took a peep inside and burst out into a roar of laughter, adding, Well, did I ever see such a crazy thing? Hi, fellas, look here, and see him hunting around like fun for the lower half of his pajamas when they are trailing behind him right now, fastened to the shirt part and he never got on to it. It's right killing, I declare. How could I see behind me, grumbled Stephen, as he hastened to get into the balance of his night outfit. My eyes happened to be fixed in front, but some of you smart set may be able to see both ways. Already, Mr. Scoutmaster, let her go. The eight boys presented a comical appearance as they stood there, awaiting the sweet notes of the bugle sounding taps, for their pajamas were of all sorts of patterns, from gray stripes to deep solid blues and reds. Tad gave one last look around, and picking up a lantern, motioned to Allen to take charge of the other, so that at the last notes they could douse the glim. Then he turned toward the stout bugler, clad in the grayest suit of all, and looking like a roly-poly pudding, as one of the other boys declared. Now, called out the patrol leader in a tone of authority, so the official bugler raised the instrument to his swollen lips, game to do his duty, and started to put his whole soul into the thrilling score that, heard at a late hour of the night, always brings with it a feeling of intense admiration. He had just uttered the first few notes, when they saw him suddenly whirl around in consternation, and at the same time point with the bugle, as he shrieked, "'Oh, look! Look what's coming in on us, fellas!' "'It's a bear!' whooped Davy Jones making a beeline for the nearest tree, just as might have been expected of such a gymnast. And Tad, with one look, realized that there was no laughing matter about it, because it was a sure enough bear that walked into their camp on his hind feet. End of chapter 5 Recording by Richard Kilmer, Real Medina, Texas